ministry. God bless all of you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Words fail me tonight as I attempt to uh, introduce uh, Brother Richie and Brother Tyler Richie. And my thoughts are about how much Brother and Sister Richie and the Richie family means to this church. They are the unsung heroes, the ones behind the scenes that are just such an integral part of all that we do. And uh, I dare say we would not be able to accomplish a fraction of what we're able to do from this local church if not for the faithfulness, kingdom-minded, tremendous Christians of character and distinction of Brother and Sister Richie, and it is in their son, Brother Tyler Richie and Sister Lila and their children. And it's so beautiful to see how God blesses from generation to generation to generation. Oh, if you're faithful to God, God will bless you long before your years on this planet. Their blessings and the overflow of that faithfulness extends down to all of the next generations. And so tonight... We are happy to uh, introduce our associate pastor at East Wind Pentecostal Church, Brother Tim Ritchie, and then after him, his son, Brother Tyler Ritchie, will uh, speak as well. And I'm so glad that you're here to be a part of this. Would you welcome Brother Tim Ritchie? God bless you. Amen, amen. We'll save the best to last. Amen. Give honor to our pastor, Pastor Myers, and that great tag team message today, Brother Gregory. Awesome. Amen. And honor to Bishop and our leadership and all the ministry here. Amen. We are truly blessed. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 1. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 1. If you got it, say amen. amen. Is it on the screen? Everybody should say amen. You got it on the screen. Now these are the commandments, the statues, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land. Everybody say in the land. Whether you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in a land of flow that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We could sum it up all in that, folks. We just serve one God. Amen. Verse number five, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all. Everybody say all. All thy heart and all, everybody say all, thy soul and with all thy might. First thing you got to do, and I speak to the fathers, you got to be sold out. The true unsung heroes that are here today is every father, amen, every caregiver, every person that's in head of the house, but you got to be sold out to this, amen. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Amen. This is just a pastime, but this is a way of life for us. Amen. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and thou 
and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sweareth unto thy fathers. Everybody say the land. To Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. This is our message for tonight. The land of thy fathers. The land of thy fathers. Or those that have gone before us. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, Jesus, and we thank you, God, for your many blessings in our lives. And I pray that you're going to speak to hearts. We love you so much, Lord, and we come to glorify your name. Your name's above every name. Use me tonight, I pray. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Can you just lift your hands to your heavenly Father right now? Lord, we love you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So we are supposed to teach to our children that there is one Lord. Amen. I start early with my grandkids. I try to talk to them about God. I try to get them to pray. Most of the time, my eight-year-old is getting better, but most of the time they're not really interested in that. They're not interested in praying much or anything about God, and they just want to play, amen? But nonetheless, we just keep on being faithful with talking to them in the way, amen? And it comes with the promise that God is going to bring us to the land that he swears unto our fathers before us. Those that have gone before us. Amen. There's a place that we can be in God. Hallelujah. And it's to realize that there is but one God. Amen. And one Father. Hallelujah. There is only one God and He's above all and in all and through all. And He is our everything. Amen. And that is the message. And He ought to be one to us. Not necessarily a doctrinal oneness as far as God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are all three in one. But more also, that it is one Lord. There's one faith. Amen. That we are all coming into. And Abraham and Isaac, the Bible tells us of a story where God had called Abraham. We're all familiar with it. In Genesis chapter 22. It says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering on on one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and the clave of wood for burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. I noticed here as I was just going over these scriptures that God had called to Abraham, and God answered. And I believe that God is talking to everybody God is always calling to us the question is are we going to say here I am Lord are we listening God's got a great life for us he's got a great uh, kingdom for us to enter into hallelujah but we've got to be able to say here I am Lord here I am it said that he rose up early in the morning and then On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young man, Abide here with the donkey and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said my father he said here I am my son another thing you need to answer your kids 
Amen. You need to give them some attention. Answer your children. He said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went of them together. They went up together. And Abraham called and named that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount, the Lord, it shall be seen. Jehovah-Jireh, which is God, my provider. The second thing that we need to realize as we uh, lead our families is that God will provide. He's a provider. First of all, we've got to know who he is. We've got to be sold out to this. And then when we are sold out to it, we need to realize that God is going to provide. And I thought about their conversation and uh, Isaac had a good question there that Abraham didn't have the answer for. He said, you know, where's the sacrifice? And I thought about how that as a father and try to get through this without bawling and squalling. I feel, felt like I did all afternoon just thinking about the goodness of God. But I thought about how that, you know, when you become sold out to this, when you take hold of this thing, amen, and, and you realize that God will provide, then you've got to stand on that faith that God will provide. And there's going to be times where you're going to have to go and in, in the worldly since it's going to seem like, oh, you're sacrificing your family or you're not being good to your family or you're depriving your family and you're not doing, you know, what's best for your family. And sometimes it doesn't look that way. And sometimes your kids will have some pretty tough questions and wonder, you know, what's it all about? How are we going to do this? And uh, I want you to know that my kids, they always walked with us. They didn't know everything. They didn't know every problem, every heartache, every storm. But they went with us through the good times and through the bad times. And they went to church. We took them to church, whether we wanted to or not. Amen. We took them to every youth convention, every youth thing that they had going on at the church, whether they wanted to go or not. I thank God they wanted to go. But it is something that we all just did together. You're going to go. It wasn't an option. Amen. They always had questions though throughout the time. And sometimes all we can do is say, God will provide. I don't have all the answers. We're never going to have all the answers. And that's why living for God is not an easy thing. Amen. But we need to realize that God will provide. Amen. Sometimes that's all I could tell my children was God's going to take care of it. I don't know how it's going to all work out. Amen. We have the word of God that we're going to lean upon. We have the man of God that we're going to listen to. We have the man of God that we're going to listen to. We have the man of God that we're going to listen to. I believe in that. I believe in that. You need a man of God in your life. Hallelujah. And even at times, he's going to say things and we're all going to go, what? But God will provide. And he always does. Hallelujah. And I'd like to say thank you, Pastor Myers, for being a spiritual father that I can bring my family before. And we've got the best church in the whole land, folks. In one of the tryingest times that this country went through, our church, because of our pastor, was on the leading edge. Everybody was looking towards this church and towards our man of God. Hallelujah. Because he's a spiritual father. And you need to have that in your life. Amen. The Word of God is going to present things also in the same way. There's going to be times when you're just going to say, I don't quite understand it. I just know one thing. We're just going to live by the Word of God. We're going to stand by the Word of God. And God will provide. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how tough the questions get. It doesn't matter how bad the problems are. 
I want you to know that God has the last word. You just stay in the church. You stay faithful to God. Hallelujah. This world is not our home. One of these days, we're going to get out of this place. Amen. He called the place God will provide. Amen. And it's our faith in God, that faith, that simple faith that gets God's attention. I want you to know that it makes God sit up and take attention. Our faith actually becomes our righteousness. It's really the only way that we're saved is through our faith, through the grace of God, through faith. Amen. Hebrews tells us about Abraham. It said, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises up, offered up his only begotten son. It didn't make sense, did it? God said, I'm going to give you a son. Here it is. You got him? Okay, now I want you to go give him away. I want you to sacrifice. I want you to kill him. None of it made sense. But he received the promises, and he offered up his only begotten son. And he really didn't do it. But because he had the faith in his heart, God considered him to already have done it. Amen. Of whom it was said that Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. He believed that God was able to raise him up from the dead. He was, he was going to go through this come uh, thick or thin. It didn't matter whether he understood it or not. He was going to trust in the word of God. Romans chapter 4 has some interesting language in it in verse 20. Speaking of Abraham and this thing that he did, it says in verse 20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. And I thought, you know, it puts the unbelief there on the end. But as you think about it, he did stagger, didn't he? He tried to get God a son for God in his own natural way, right? So he did try and... He did stagger a little bit. And I thought, you know, how real, as you look for the ideal parents in the Word of God, you really don't find them. Because these are just real people, just like me and you, that we make a lot of mistakes and we stagger. Sometimes our faith gets weak, amen. But we just keep holding on to the Lord, giving glory to God. Hallelujah. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Because he believed in God, was imputed for him for righteousness. Not because he did everything right, but because he believed in God. Hallelujah. And that God was going to make a way. It wasn't just for, uh, for him, but for us also it tells us. To whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Hallelujah. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Amen. Hallelujah. Our righteousness comes simply through being faithful. Through leading our family through times when we don't really understand. Even though we don't even know what's ahead. But the Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things are going to be added unto us. I thought we have a perfect natural example of bishop. I'm going to call you grandfather. Is that all right? He's the one that's the grandfather. They preached about it today, the love and compassion. And I thought about when bishop teaches and when he preaches it's a lot about just wrapping those big grandfather arms around you with love sometimes not so with pastor he's got to rightly divide the word of truth but we have a great example how the generation to generation is being passed out not just spiritually but in the natural and the working of this great church and the natural working of how all that operation goes, I know, behind the scenes. But spiritually as it goes, and we see them as they, as they work together in this great example that we have that are before us. But we have this great privilege of having 
a family. Amen? We have a family. And when I was first came into the church, nobody in my family uh, lives for God. They never lived for God then. And, and they, uh, they all thought that I was in a cult and everything. And they were very concerned about me. And, and they did everything they could to persuade me and get the old pastor to come and talk to me and help me come to my senses. Amen. But I'm glad I never came to my senses. I'm still, I'm still just a peculiar person. But in one particular service, the, the uh, evangelist uh, called for all the families to come and to stand up and come to the front. Come with your family. Be with your family. I want to pray for your family. And and uh, I didn't have a family. It was a very awkward kind of situation for me, you know. But I went up to the front, and and Sister McClary, she said I could come sit with her family. And, and then later on, I said, okay. And then they, then they let me marry their best daughter. Amen. So I got blessed. But I can remember the awkwardness, but I was praying up there, and I said, God, if you ever give me a family. I'm going to bring them to the house of God. I'm going to bring them to the house of God. And I learned over the years that I can't live their life for them. I can't make their decisions for them. Man, God doesn't have any grandchildren, as they say. We're all children. We all have to make that decision. Amen. That's our Heavenly Father, and we all have to come to that. But I just told God, I said, I'm going to live for you with everything I've got. And if you ever give me that family, if you ever give me a family, I'm going to see them. And that's why I have such a burden for these young men that come in. They don't have any family and so thankful for their walk with the Lord. Amen. And what they stand for. Amen. Amen. They deserve it. Because it's not easy. It's not easy. Amen. And so they'll be blessed though. And I've always heard this down through the ages. I never believed it for one. It's not scriptural where they say this uh, new generation, they're, they're losing it. You know, this, this, I don't know what's going to happen to the church at the next generation. There's always going to be a church. It's the word of God. God said, I'm going to have a church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. Amen. But I thank God for heritages. Amen. For you, Brother Morgan. I don't know your family, but your dad's a pastor in Texas. And wow, what a powerful young man in his early 20s, believing in God, carrying the gospel. Amen. And I want you to know that as I, I want to say this, that God, sometimes we are beyond the, the place where we're going to have a father or a mother or kids or grandkids or whatever. It's just probably out of the thing, but that's what the church is all about. That's what a heavenly father is, and the church is the mother. It cares. We should care for one another. Amen. And our heavenly father, hallelujah, will never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. And so there is hope for each and every one of us that we can just keep on going, and we all, and so I adopted that church as a church family, and and they were great to me, but God through the years, and I've been in church 40 years, amen, God's given me a daughter and a son and four grandkids, amen, and they're all in the church, amen. I wonder if Sister Lila, bring these little ones up here. I won't take long, but I want these, I want them to come up here. Come on with them, Mom. This is the shy one. Amen. Stay up here, Brother Trevor. This one here, she's baptized in Jesus' name and got the Holy Ghost. Woo! This one hiding back there, she don't want to get baptized yet, but she will. She's a sweetheart. And this is my daughter-in-law, like a daughter. Amen. Come on up here, Tyler. Amen, amen. With kids this good looking, don't you think they should keep having kids? (laughs) 
But I just want to say this. and This family right here, and my daughter and her husband, and I have another uh, little granddaughter now, 10 months old, Mary. Um, they're in church. Everybody's in church. But this is, I just want to say this is an answer to prayer. I mean, over the ages that God has been faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. He's going to, he's going to make a way when there is no way. Hallelujah. He's such a good God. Amen. And I just want you to know that I love you guys and you're an answer of prayer from God. Amen. So you always live for God. Love the Lord. Amen. For as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. What a, what a privilege I have to have the parents that I have and the legacy that has been given to me for my natural father. Amen. As we've already said, for our spiritual fathers, we give honor to Bishop and Pastor. Amen. And all the great things that they have done. And uh, man, I'm just honored to be a part of the family of God. Amen. 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 Well, I want to just continue on for a little bit on this subject and talking about the land of thy fathers. They talked about Abraham. They talked about Isaac. And it talked about Jacob when it was referencing the land of our fathers. And really what I want to talk to you guys about is from the point of we must understand that we have got to capture what is being handed down to us. That we cannot just take it lightly, but that we must understand the true gift that God is trying to give to us and to accept it with all of our heart and with all of our soul, with all of our might and with all of our strength. You know, Isaac, I love how the Bible, you know, the Bible doesn't give too much detail into the relationships between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but you do see little things as you go and you read through Genesis. And Genesis, the Bible talks about after Abraham died in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 11. It says, and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. Said so that after Abraham died, that God then began to bless Isaac, his son. And the Bible says that Isaac went and dwelt by the well, Lahiroi. And this, this is, and I, I just, you know, this was just a verse that jumped out at me and how God began to bless Isaac. And so I began to look at this. And, and it's very interesting because Isaac made it a point that he's going to go dwell by the well. And this was something that Abraham did. Abraham would go around and he would dig wells out. The Bible talks a lot about Abraham's wells. And you'll see it all throughout the Bible, the, the wells that Abraham had dug. And Isaac, as soon as Abraham had died, the Bible says Isaac went and dwelt by the well. And you look at what this word means here, this well, this place. And Abraham always named places, as we just learned, where he said, God is my provider. Different places that they went, they would, they would name it different things. And if you look into this word, this word means vision. This word means a fresh vision or a raw vision. Isaac said, I'm going to go and I'm going to dwell by the vision that my father had. I'm going to go and I'm going to dwell and I'm going to get a fresh vision for myself. And you see this constantly through Isaac's life. Isaac was constantly not just making his own way, but he was understanding that he was walking in the shoes of his father. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 18 says, Isaac digged again the wells of water. There was a time of famine in the land and and there was a time when they were in need. And so the Bible says Isaac went and he began to dig again the wells of water. He digged again the ones that were digged in the days of Abraham, his father. It says, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which the father, his father, had given them. And the Bible says, and Isaac's servants dig the well, and they found there a well of springing water. 
This is, this is a powerful verse of scripture because the Bible says when Isaac was in need, Isaac didn't go digging a new well. But Isaac said, we're going to go back to the wells that my father had dug. He said, because my father, this worked for my father, so I believe that God is going to come through for me as well. And so they begin to dig and they begin to dig it out. And the Bible says they found there a well of springing water that began to come out. And ladies and gentlemen, if I can apply that to us today, we don't need to look for something new. We don't need to look somewhere else. All we need to do is to say, Bishop, what worked for you, I'm going to go dig that out until it begins to spring up in me. Pastor, what you're putting down, I want that to come alive in me. There's nothing new under the sun, but we need to understand there is a land that our fathers are trying to give to us. Isaac began to walk into this. We don't need a new well. In fact, he called them by the names that Abraham had called them. He said, we're going to call them by the names that my father set into place. Then we find that Isaac, he had two sons. He had Jacob and he had Esau. Esau was the oldest son. The Bible describes him as a manly man, a hunter man. A hairy man. I mean, he was, he was, he was the one that was born first, so he was to receive the prized birthright, and everything was to be handed down to him. The Bible talks about his twin brother who was born just after him, Jacob. The Bible says he was a plain man. He was, he was a good cook, a mama's boy, is how the Bible describes him. They're, yeah, they are completely opposite people from what the Bible would describe them as. And the Bible, you know, one verse that's always stuck out to me in Romans chapter 9 and verse 13. The Bible says, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. This is a powerful statement. Hate is not used very much in the word of God. But he said, Jacob have I loved... But Esau have I hated. If you go and you begin to look at why in the world was Esau hated, why was Jacob loved, what, what was really the difference between them. And, and I truly believe without a doubt the reason why Esau was hated was because the father was trying to pass something very special to Esau. But the Bible tells us time and time again that Esau took it lightly. He didn't put much value on what was being handed down to him. The Bible says that while he was out hunting, he became weary and he became hungry and he comes home after a long time of hunting and, and Jacob was there in the kitchen making up some delicious bread, the Bible says, and some savory red lentil soup. And he says, Jacob, can you please give me some of that soup and some of that bread. I'm weary. I need something to sustain me. And Genesis chapter 25 and verse 33 says, And Jacob said to him, he said, I want you to swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. He said, give me your birthright for this meal. And the Bible says Esau sold his birthright unto Jacob. And it says, then Jacob gave the bread and the pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. And the Bible says, thus Esau despised his birthright. You begin to look into the differences between Jacob and Esau. You do see some very different uh, personality traits. But one of the biggest things that, that you see is that Jacob wanted the birthright, and Esau just took it lightly. You could maybe even say that Esau just expected that he was going to get the birthright no matter what he did. Maybe he just expected it. Maybe he just said that, you know what, I'm entitled to this. I am the oldest son. Sure, Jacob, you can have it. You're not really going to get it. Because I'm the one that's in next in line. And the Bible just goes on through the story. And, you know, we, we find that Jacob was able to, to sneak his way into getting the blessing and the birthright while Esau was out hunting again. And, and Jacob was able to get that blessing. And Jacob was able to come down through that line. And, and now we talk about the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. Whenever it should have been the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Esau. 
And ladies and gentlemen, I feel just so strongly that we have got to understand that there has been something that God has handed to us. We have been handed a truth that has been fought for. We have been handed buildings and cities that we have not built. We have been handed things that we have not labored for. And we've got to make sure that we do not take these things lightly. That we do not think that we deserve it. Because we are the ones that are next in line. Because we are the ones that should rightly have the place to the promise. But the land of thy fathers, we see time and time again in the word of God. It is for whoever wants it the most. God will skip over a crowd of people that are apathetic for the person who is hungry. God can be going through a crowd of people that is thronging about Him. And people that are sick and people that are needing Him. And He can turn around and say, who touched me? They'll say, everybody's touching you, Jesus. He said, no, somebody touched me in a different way. He said, I felt virtue leave my body. There was somebody that was hungry. There was somebody that was in need. It was that widow lady who reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. We don't have the right to anything in God. But the one thing God wants to do is God wants to give us the land of our fathers. But we've got to be willing to take it. We've got to be willing to say, I want the birthright. God, if you can use anybody, use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak to me. He was determined. One thing you learn about Jacob, Jacob was a determined person. He went to Laban's house. He got his eyes Set on a girl, Rachel. And he said, whew, I want her to be my wife. Laban said, then work seven years for me. Say, what? Jacob didn't say that. He said, okay, deal. And he worked seven years, and he didn't even get Rachel. Laban ended up giving him Leah, the older sister. And he said, what's the deal? I'm supposed to get Rachel. He said, well, then work another seven years for me. And he worked another seven years. Jacob had a determination. The Bible tells us one night where Jacob, he was, he was wrestling with an angel. And the Bible says that he would not let go of that messenger from God. He held on to him all night long. Genesis chapter 32 and verse 26 tells us, and he said, let me go because the day breaketh. And Jacob said, I will not let you go except thou bless me. Jacob had something inside of him that said, I want what God has for me. I don't want to let go of a blessing from God. I don't want to let go of what has been given to my grandfather Abraham, of what has been given to my father Isaac. I want you to bless me. And he said unto him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. And, and he said, thy name shall be no more Jacob, which is deceiver, supplanter. He said, but your name shall be Israel. And he says, for as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. He said, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I'm going to do. You're no longer a deceiver, but now you're a prince. You're a child of the king. I'm going to change your name. And now the people of God is going to be known as the people of Israel. We're going to put your name on, on the top of everything. We're going to, that, that's what it's going to be called. It's going to be called the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. They're going to talk about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then they're going to talk about the people of Israel. From that point forward, it became known as the people of Israel. He would come to Moses. God would talk to Moses from the burning bush. And Moses would say, who are you? He said, I'm the God of your fathers. I'm the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. He said, I promised your fathers something, Moses. 
He said, and I want you to help bring it to pass. Will you take a hold of what your fathers had begun to fight for? And Moses said, yes, I will. And Moses, he may have had a few doubts, but Moses, he went forth. And God went with him. And we know all the great things that Moses did. But all of these things come about. And one of the things that I just feel so strongly in my spirit tonight is that it so easily could have been Esau. And how sad it is, and how tragic it is, for how Esau pretty much disappears off the scene. You don't hear too much about Esau. You see him a few times, but you don't hear too much about him anymore. But the person, Jacob, who said, I want the birthright. I want the blessings of God in my life. I want what my father Isaac had. Isaac, what you have, I want you to bless it to me. I want you to give it to me. I want you to give it to me above Esau. Esau doesn't care about it. God, would you give it to me? And and Jacob began to do that. And Esau just began to be left out. And ladies and gentlemen, I feel so strongly in the Holy Ghost, a burning inside of me that I want the land that my fathers had. I want the land that my fathers had. I don't want to miss out on the opportunity to have the blessings of God in my life. I don't want to miss out because of a hurt, because of a mistake, because of something that is temporary Esau gave away something that was eternal for something that was temporary and so many times we do that in the flesh we take an eternal gift and a promise in a land that God wants to give us and we give it away for something that's temporary something that will just satisfy our flesh for another moment but the land of our fathers is calling out to us And our fathers have sacrificed. And our fathers have done great things. They've left. They've left behind everything that they've known. And they say, we're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And we're we're putting everything else behind us. We're trusting in God. And yes, Isaac, you may not understand it. But Isaac, I'm going to follow the word of God. I don't know what's going to happen when we get to the top of that mountain, Isaac. But I'm going to follow the word of God. God's going to provide. And every Every time God provided. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, if you haven't made the decision that you're going to follow after God, if you haven't made the decision that you're going to be completely and totally sold out, let me tell you, let me echo the words of my Father, God will provide. Jump into this thing with everything that you've got. God will change your life. God will change your family. God will do it because He's done it. He's done it before. And it's the promised land that God has given to us. I don't want to miss out because I'm too distracted. When God calls, I want to hear. When He invites me in to another level, I want to go. When He prepares a table, I want to be there. Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. Jesus tells a parable says, then Jesus, or then, then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper. And he bade many, hey, come to the supper. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. And the Bible says, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. Everybody that was bidden began to make excuses. Jesus told this parable. He said, the first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Another one said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another one said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. Bible says, so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house being angry said to his servants, ladies and gentlemen, this is what will happen if we begin to make excuses for why we don't pray, why we don't come to church, why we don't listen when God calls, 
Why we don't, uh, uh, when the messenger, when the messengers of God are sent out, why we don't hear the words that they have. And, and, and he said this, he said, I want you to go out quickly into the streets and into the, into, into the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maim and the whole and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is still room. And the Lord said unto the servant, then go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Ladies and gentlemen, as my father said, God's going to have a church in these last days. You read the book and you know God's going to have the church. But the decision is up to us whether or not we're going to be in the house during those last days. Whether or not you or I are going to be distracted or whether we're going to be determined. Whether we're going to give away something for something that's temporary or we're going to hold on to the eternal. We've got to make a decision and we would make the decision whether or not we want the land of our fathers. We've got to make that decision. And he said, I want you to go out into the highways, into the byways. I believe today, today is a day of distraction and weariness. Those are the plagues of our day. Distraction or weariness. You look at Esau, Esau was weary. You look at everything that these, these, these excuses were. These excuses were not sin, ladies and gentlemen. They just said, I bought a piece of land, I need to go see it. I bought some oxen, I need to go over there. I've, I've married a wife. I, 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 just, I just have a... They weren't saying we're sinning. They just had some excuses. And ladies and gentlemen, if we're not careful, we can just have excuses to why... We don't have the sacrifice that our forefathers had. Of why we don't go dig out the wells that have been covered up. Why we don't find the spring for ourselves. And why we try to live off of our fathers. And why we don't make the decision ourselves that we're going to take the land. But let me tell you something. I've made the decision in my life that I do not want God to pass me by. Because I don't want it enough. I don't want God to go out and say, all right, well, let's go find somebody that's hungry. I want God to see there's somebody that's hungry right here. I don't want God to look and say, who, who really wants to be with me? But I want, I want them to look. I want God to look down and see somebody that's saying, God, I want whatever you have for me. As they were about to go into the promised land, Moses sent out those 12 spies. He said, come back, what, what, what do you have? And only two of them, Joshua and Caleb said, we can take the land. That's the land that God has promised. God will be with us. God will be for us. But the Bible says that the whole generation of unbelievers had to die. Until that generation rose up that said, we can take the land. And ladies and gentlemen, I truly believe that they, because they wanted to take the land, they were the ones that got into the promised land. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care where your heritage is. Uh, you, you may be like my father. Nobody in your family has ever served God before. Or you may, you may be like, like Gregory and Luke where you have a lineage in apostolic faith. I've, I've been, I'm privileged. I'm, the, I'm, a, I'm in a great lineage of apostolic faith from my mother to my grandmother and my great-grandmother and, and we, we have that lineage of apostolic faith in my, in my home and I'm, I'm privileged for that but that does no good for me unless I make the decision I want the birthright I don't want to be I don't want to be Esau and be replaced with Jacob. I want what God has prepared for me. What God is trying to hand to me. I want it for me. And that's why Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you're hungry, God will fill you. If you're thirsty, He will fill you. All you got to have is a hunger and a thirst for God. Don't let your hunger die. Don't take this lightly. But say God I want everything that you have for me would you stand to your feet this evening Jesus God I want everything you have for me Jesus John makes this powerful statement in John chapter 1 and verse 11 and I close with this Bible says Jesus came into his own but his own received him not. 
That would be sad if that's where the story ended. That's where the verse ended, but thankfully there's a verse 12. The Bible says this, but as many as received him, whoever wanted him, whoever believed on him, as many as received him, to them gave he the power, what power? To become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a privilege today. We can make the decision whether or not we will be a son of God. You have the ability to be a part of the family of God. You and I are a part of the family of God. The Bible says when we receive the Holy Ghost, we receive that that spirit of adoption. Whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. And ladies and gentlemen, I've just come to remind us, do not sell this precious promise for just a temporary thing. Let Esau's warning ring through your ears today. Wake up. Don't take living for God lightly, but get up every day and say, God, what do you have for me today? God, I want you to fill me till I'm overflowing. God, I'm going to go back to the wells that my father has put. I'm going to go back to the wells that Bishop has been digging for years and years. God, I'm going to go to the wells that Pastor has been digging. And God, I'm going to go there and I'm going to wait till those wells of water spring up in me. I wonder if you lift your hands all over this house. God, we pray, Lord, right now. God, that you would awaken our spirits. God, I pray, Lord, that you would open up our eyes to any distraction. God, open up our eyes to where, God, we have become apathetic. God, where we begin to fall asleep. I pray, God, that you would begin to move in our life. God, I want you. God, I want you. I don't just want you to be the God of my fathers. I want you to be the God of my life. I want you to be the God of my life. This altar is open. I wonder if you would come and just recommit yourself to God. I wonder if you would come and just say, God, I'm going into the land that my fathers have for me. Would you come from all over?